This is the Press Pass with Chris Ryan. This is where you hear unique conversations with the best athletes, coaches, and general managers in sports. I think you appreciate each and every one. Uh, each and every one is special in their own way. And I play with two guys that uh, they were on top of their game on a nightly basis, and people get spoiled. You know, they they saw Manny, they saw David, so they they start taking people for granted. Uh, opportunity for me. And I know I need to help my team now, so you know, the better I play, the better it'll be for us. I think it's uh, one of the most important things is focus and consistency. The Red Sox humbled by the Yankees for his second straight night, this time blown out as they lose 12-5 at Fenway Park last night. I am Chris Ryan. This is the Press Pass. The Boston Red Sox have struggled against the American League East this year. They are 9-20 against American League East teams. They have also lost 4-5 to the Yankees this year. Overall, they've dropped four straight games and 8 of 11. So... The Red Sox are in a difficult spot right now, but this is very predictable when you consider the fact that the team is without four of their five starting pitchers. Rafi Devers, despite an heroic performance against Garrett Cole on Thursday night with two home runs, is battling injury issues at this point, most notably with his lower back. So the Red Sox are who they are. They are a team that should make the wild card in an expanded format. They are in no way, shape, or form going to challenge the Yankees this year, as evidenced by the fact that they are now 16 games behind the New York Yankees, who are on a record pace. They are, the Yankees, as good as any team in the history of baseball through this many contests, 61-23, and 23, excuse me, through 84 games this year, which matches the mark of their historic 1998 team through 84 games. So this is where the Red Sox are at at this point in time. They've struggled against the American League East. They've struggled against the Yankees as a whole, and they find themselves in a difficult position. Meanwhile, on the Yankees' side of things, this is a different team than they've had over the last couple of years. This is a team that gels together on the offensive side of things, still predominantly relying on the home run, but they do little things like bunt, steals, uh, steal bases as well and are a little more of a diverse lineup in terms of their attack and the type of hitters that they have. But make no mistake, this team is as good as they are because of the starting pitching. Their starting pitching ERA is the best in baseball. Their overall ERA is the best in baseball, and their pitching coach is Matt Blake from Concord, New Hampshire. Joined by Yankees pitching coach Matt Blake, of course, from Concord, New Hampshire. And things has been going pretty good for Matt this year as the pitching staff has been amongst the best in baseball. Is there anything that you can connect amongst the pitchers that have allowed for kind of the sustained success of the staff? Yeah, I feel like it's been a you know, growth from year to year, and I think we've continued to evolve. And we got a lot of continuity from my first year to last year and really last year to this year it's a lot of the same guys so I think a lot of the things we've been really focusing on just pounding the strike zone pitching to areas that we can have success in and trying to minimize hard contact and feel like we've got a nice personnel and guys are you know helping each other out and there's a good shared awareness and it's kind of leading to good results right now. Do you feel like it's taken you know these kind of three years for your philosophy and how you're going about working with the pitchers to kind of settle in with the group because it is different than what got a lot of the guys are used to although once they get used to it they seem to like it yeah I would say 
the first year was a trial, obviously, with the 60 games and trying to get everything underway. And I felt like we didn't really have a lot of good connection amongst the group, just a lot of the policies and procedures around the COVID protocols didn't allow us to meet in groups and I think last year we started to get the foundation laid for a lot of our like group meetings and kind of our shared awareness of kind of how we wanted to approach teams and the hitters and I feel like we've had a lot of good conversations along the way and guys are really buying into understanding like what our pillars are and how we want to approach things and how we get feedback and I think every every day we learn a little bit more about ourselves and continue to make adjustments and get better and I do think you know into year three now we've really got things rolling on the tracks now. When you look at your staff, it seems like there's always been a consistent amount of hard throwers. Yep. But also you've got a guy like you know, Nestor Cortez who throws hard but has you know different pitches that have success for him. Um, are you working off a base of wanting to have you know guys that throw hard? Like you get the Rays and you have different types of pitchers. A guy will throw a slider 95% of the time. What's your philosophy when it comes to you know guys that may either bounce around your system or other systems like Nestor and come here and, and have success? Yeah, I feel like obviously velocity is a good starting point. It's a good baseline to uh, understand who a pitcher is. If you throw hard, it gives you more room for error. But I think more than anything, it's looking for guys with outlier traits, a signature pitch, something we can lean on and throw a lot that they can have as like the backbone of who they are and start from there and then kind of build around that. I think we've had a lot of success with our guys doing it that way. It seems like that's particularly true for the bullpen guys. Like Clay Holmes, as an example, has been lights out, and he seems to be very similar to what Garrett Whitlock was in that role where he is a dominant big sinker. Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, Clay's got a unique angle that he's, you know, got a high slot and the ball runs a lot at a high velocity. So he has a lot of these traits kind of packaged into that one pitch. And then, you know, a guy like Wandy Peralta's got a really good changeup. Obviously, Mike King has a really good sinker. Uh, so we've got a lot of these guys that have something that we can lean on as like, this is an outlier pitch that you can build around. And then, like, what are the things we can do to complement that to give you a little, like, wrinkle or two in your game plan? Seems like the rivalry is is back after you know last year. Obviously, twenty twenty, as you mentioned, was a crazy year. But you know, being around the ballpark this year and then being around here for Red Sox Yankees is completely different. Every seat is filled. There's kind of this. You know, as Jaron Duran told me earlier, like there's just this feeling in the air when it's Red Sox Yankees is different than other series. I mean, do you sense that as well? Where this is this is back, even though you know obviously you're well ahead of everybody at this point. But it feels like there's that that sense. Yeah, I, I just feel like anytime you come into this ballpark, there's good energy here, and you you put the Yankee pinstripes on, or you come here and you play, you know, as a Yankee member, it's it's elevated a little bit. Even for us, you know, it's just coming in here. I think we all enjoy playing in this park. We like the atmosphere, uh, regardless of where we are in the standings, whether up or down. I think you know you're going to get a good ball game when these two teams get together here. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about this Yankee group, you know, in particular, what stands out to you has it been just kind of an evolution as you mentioned where guys continue to get better is there something different a feel about this group than in previous seasons because obviously the the record stands for itself and you guys are on a record pace yeah I think we've done we, we know we had a talented team the last couple of years but it felt like maybe there were some holes here or there or the pieces didn't quite fit together real well so I think one of the things we really want to prioritize was we, we need to catch the ball at a higher level. We need to run the bases better. We need to, you know, minimize the mistakes we are making. So 
all the emphasis on the little details around the talent we have has gone a long way. I mean, obviously, we're defending at a high level. Uh, we're throwing a lot of strikes. We're putting together good team at-bats. And then, you know, when guys get on base, we're not giving them the extra 90 feet and not giving them whether it's from them stealing bases or for us making errors. So I think all those things are really helping us just you know, minimize the mistakes we're making and li- limiting runs that, like, aren't earned. And I think it's given us a chance to let the offense work, and that's where we're at in the season. So three key changes in that avenue. One, obviously, is a shortstop yeah. with what Isaiah has brought. Uh, you have Rizzo for the full yeah. season. And the big change, obviously, catcher yeah. as well. Um, where do you see the team having improved, particularly at the, at the catcher position where, obviously, these guys don't hit like Gary, yeah. but is there you know a difference in how the pitchers are comfortable with these guys? Yeah, and I think Gary's doing a great job for us. Uh, and I, I just feel like Trevino's you know, brought another layer to it. I, he's very prepared. He's a really strong receiver behind the plate. He's one of the best in the game. So I think, you know, on the margins there again, it's, you know, the game calling is very consistent between him and Higgy. They're on the same uh, wavelength. They're game planning together. The pitchers feel the preparation when they go out there. They, they're, they're confident in what is being put down or called to them via pitch com. And then I think that there we're, we're getting all the extra strikes on the margins, which goes a long way to keeping us in count control and leverage and allows us to throw our best pitches with you know, room for error. So I'll throw in a question here for my nine-year-old son, Brennan. Big Yankee fan, but to keep that quiet, obviously being from New Hampshire as much as possible. But he's seeing Araldis Chapman coming back. He's really liking Clay Holmes. So he's wondering, how are you guys going to figure that situation out where you want to maximize what you have with Holmes? And obviously Chapman has earned that spot. So how do you figure that? How do you uh, massage that? Yeah. I think it's a nice problem to have where, you know, Chappie's, you know, on a maybe Hall of Fame career, you know, he's pushing uh, down that direction as a closer. Uh, And I think Clay's kind of emerged this year as a reliable strike thrower with a premier pitch. He limits hard contact. He doesn't put guys on free bases. And he's really risen to the occasion and taken that role. And I think we're just going to look for spots that make sense for both Clay and Chappie, um, whether it's Clay facing the priority righties in the eighth or, you know, in last night's situation, closing it out. And, you know, Chappie, as he's getting his feet underneath him, just finding spots to get him in a rhythm. And last couple nights it's been in lower leverage and spots where he has some room for error, and then I think it'll eventually get to a point where maybe we have multiple options depending on because they can't all close every night. Right. So I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities for both of them to do it. And you know, right now Clay's getting the, the majority of the work. The final thing on that, we've seen obviously how the Red Sox have used Whitlock, and they had a need at starting rotation, put him there. Um, he's faced you know guys for two innings. He's come in in the seventh inning and faced the elite right-handed hitters. Do you? Do you like doing stuff like that where you could see Holmes, you know, you're placing a right-hand hitting lineup where they have guys coming up in the seventh, you're at 4-3 ball game, you're up, do you use them in that spot? Yeah, I think that anytime you're looking at where's the leverage in the game, where are the turning points of the game, you know, if there's a string of righties, call it, you know, Bogarts and JD coming up in the eighth inning and, you know, it's a one-run game and there might be some traffic, maybe that's the spot where Holmes comes in. Uh, you know, and I think that's just trying to use you, what you have for resources out in the bullpen the best way possible. And sometimes that means putting your best pitcher that faces right-handers not in the ninth inning. And, you know, I think hopefully you have someone to fill the ninth inning that's not a, a major step down. And in that situation, you've got King and Chapman and Peralta that can kind of backfill some of those nights. You certainly have a lot of good options in the bullpen. Matt, thank you so much. No problem. Thank you.
All right, Matt Blake right there. Also checked in with Yankees leadoff hitter DJ LeMayu. What do you think is different about this Yankee group this year? You guys obviously on a record pace record-wise. Uh, is there something different about this about this group this season? Do you feel like you've grown as a group? What is, is, there, is there anything tangible you feel like is different? Um, I just, there's a lot of factors. Um, uh, you could talk about, you know, chemistry, uh, you know, playing together, having each other's backs. That's all true. Um, we also have really good pitching and, uh, a, a deep lineup. Yeah. It feels like, particularly on the defensive side of the game, that there's like this connectivity that exists that perhaps wasn't there in, in years past. Matt Blake was mentioning that from how that's helped the pitching side of things. Do you feel like that's been a big area where this group has stepped forward? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, having uh, Izzy at short um, really helps out a lot. Rizzo at first and um, all of us other guys just filling in around the infield. Um, you know, it just seems like everyone... Uh, you know, I feel like we've we've set a high standard for ourselves infield wise, and then um, you know our outfield defense is uh, is very very good as well. It feels like there's still you know room for growth as well. Maybe not in the pitching and defense side of things, but the lineup as much as you guys score runs feels like that can still even you know get better. And as a group, like how do you when you're doing so well, do you want to just kind of keep things you know the same in the fact that you're having success, or is there a push that hey we gotta we gotta get better, we gotta get continue to get better? I just think it's a group of guys that shows up every night ready to go. Um, you know, I, is there room for improvement? Um, yeah, but uh, at the same time, it's a winning recipe right now. And um, we just need to keep going. You know, things things can change quickly in this game throughout the season. So um, every opportunity we have to uh, to, go out, to go out there and, and, and get a win, um, you know, we just need to keep staying focused. Two-time batting champion DJ LeMayu right there. For the Red Sox, some decisions are coming and some help is on the way. Garrett Whitlock as well as uh, Kike Hernandez in Worcester rehabbing there. Nathan Avaldi is going to get a start for the Woo Sox on Sunday. And Chris Sale is coming back to the rotation on Tuesday in Tampa. So help is on the way. Connor Siebel got knocked around on Friday night. And Cutter Crawford is headed to the Hill tonight for the Red Sox before Nick Pavetta gets the ball in the series finale on Sunday before the team travels to Tampa for that aforementioned series. Some decisions are looming for the Red Sox, particularly in what to do with uh, Jaron Duran, as well as Rob Ref Snyder and Christian Arroyo. Kike Hernandez is coming back, and something's got to go here. I don't think it's going to be Duran because Duran has been really good for the Red Sox and presents kind of a unique threat at the top of the lineup. I talked with Duran about what's been different here in his second big league season versus last year. When it comes to your swing, Alex talked a lot about the fact that, you know, maybe last year trying to hit too many home runs. Has there been, you know, an adjustment there where you're not trying to impress with power, where you're trying to be, I don't want to say more of a prototypical leadoff hitter, but having that type of approach of, of getting on base, making consistent contact? Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to do what I've done my whole life, you know, just hit line drives, you know, beat out ground balls, just cause havoc on the field, you know. It's kind of been like my forte. So, you know, yeah, I've just been trying to stick with what I've been known for my whole life. 
that's what it seems like you know you do best. Like there is an ability that you have to put pressure on a pitcher when you get on base, going first to third, making things difficult, you know, for the opposing team. And has that been always kind of your mo, where you attack with with speed and, and aggressiveness? Yeah, yeah. It's like you said, it's always been like my mo. You know, just causing havoc. You know, I always talk to the guys about playing with my hair on fire. You know, it's kind of like my thing. I like to do. When it comes to the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry, you obviously got a really uh, good initial experience when you debuted, and that was kind of a crazy night down in uh, down at Yankee Stadium. Has the rivalry been what you've expected, and do you notice something different you know, in the stands, whether it's there or here when these teams are playing? Um, yeah, it's it's not so much like you can tell, but you can feel it. It's more of like a feel, like, all right, like we have the Yankees coming into town, like we just... You know, it's just it's just that extra incentive for the guys to pick it up and for the fans to get a little more rowdy. You know, it's just it's just the atmosphere. It's crazy how, how this team has dealt with injuries. You know, whether it's you coming up at Kike's spot and really making the case that you should be here, you know, for the foreseeable future, or other guys stepping up into you know pitching rotation bullpen. It seems that this team's depth has been challenged in a big way, and you guys have answered. You know, the questions there. How important do you think that is for, for a team uh, to have that type of depth? And do you feel this it's the depth of this team that's allowed for your success? Um, it's huge. You know, it's it's always it's always a big uh, step when, you know, you have younger guys coming up and, and filling the role for the big guys so that they can get healthy and come back and then they they can come back and dominate like they have. But, yeah, it's, al- it's always good to have guys coming up and to be able to do their part. Kind of bring it back to the beginning. Like, do you feel like you've evolved as, as a player Know, this major league season versus last major league season or are you you're the same guy where things are just kind of working out a little bit better or there have been or have there been kind of you know changes uh i think i've evolved in different aspects like my mentalness like just having more fun you know being being more like proud of myself of what i've done instead of being so hard on myself and i'm just going out there and playing you know like i did last year but last year i put way too much pressure on myself to do more than i needed to and this year i'm just kind of going out there and having fun was there somebody that sent that message to you or did you just kind of realize okay this game's hard and there's going to be a lot of failure even if i'm a great player and you know i need to have a different approach or i'm going to grind myself into the ground and i'm not going to be able to perform yeah it was more me just after the season sitting back and realizing like you know like I wasn't making it fun, and at the end of the day, this is a game. Like it is a game of failure. We're gonna fail, and I couldn't dwell on failing because you know it's gonna happen. So you know, the more I could just be proud of myself for the things I accomplish, and even picking out the positives and the negative moments, it was always a big thing for me. So, who's been the Red Sox best pitcher this year? Hands down, it's been John Schreiber. John Schreiber has a .64 ERA, three saves. His whip, which is walks, hits per innings pitched, is .643, which is flat out off the charts. Talked about talked with Schreiber about what has worked out for him so well this year with the Red Sox. He's 28 years of age, and this is his fourth big league season, but by far, by far, his most successful. Why do you think this has worked out so well for you here with the Red Sox this year? Where it seems like you know each opportunity you've had, you've made the most of that opportunity, had great success. What? How does? Why do you think this has clicked? Uh, I just a big part of it, I think, is just confidence. Um, just being over here in this organization and working with Paul Abbott last year and being around these guys, a bunch of veteran guys. You know, I just gained a bunch of confidence being up here and 
I think that's what's helped me become a better pitcher, and you know, I'm excited uh, where I'm at right now. So. Did you make any changes in terms of your mechanics or your your pitch selection or anything of that nature? You're relying on one pitch a little bit more. Did you change your angle or anything, or is it just kind of belief in yourself? Uh, I didn't make any mechanical adjustments. I think a lot of it, like I said, is just confidence and. You know, like I said before, too, uh, you know, working with Paul Abbott, we added the two seam last year, and, you know, I'm able to go to my other pitches and get guys off those, and being able to go to that two seam really helps me a lot. So, A lot of times guys will talk about confidence, and you'll, you obviously look at you pitch, and you're like, how could a guy like that not have confidence with the type of stuff that he that he has? Um, but I guess it'll get a small sample size, particularly for relievers. If you get hit a little bit or if you have limited opportunities and they – don't go well is is that how you lose confidence or is it more of a kind of a, a something that happens over time how would you define it yeah I mean I think you know when you're first coming up you really want to you know impress and you know really contribute to the team and you know when I first came up I wasn't really doing that and like you said I was getting hit around a little bit and just my confidence kept going down and down and you know once I started to gain more confidence and seeing better results up here and you know in the back of my head I'm just like all right I can do this here and you know, I think that's where all the confidence comes from. So, seems like that's a story for a lot of relievers. Where you know, you look at guys on the Rays, where kind of year in year out, they ha- they find guys that have that particular niche, and then they have you know success, and maybe they didn't have the confidence or success early on in their careers. Like, do you, is that something that you see kind of defining a lot of relievers? Is that it doesn't go well for a while, and then things kind of click once you find that right pitching coach, you find that that right pitch uh, mix. Yeah, I mean, I just think that is, you know, I think that's for a lot of guys. I mean, like I said, when you first come up here, you really want to, you, you really want to do well, and uh, you know, it's a learning experience, and you know, baseball is a journey, and um, you know, the more you learn over the years, and the more opportunities you can get, I think that's when you start learning and believing in yourself, and I think, you know, guys start believing in their believing in themselves more often, and they start to see more success, and I think that's a big part of it. So. Final thing, I mean, you mentioned you had confidence coming into the season, but actually doing it in the, the big leagues and having the type of, you know, sustained success you've had against quality hitters. Was there, you know, a moment during the course of the season where it just kind of clicked for you and you're like, okay, this is not just me being, you know, confident and kind of pumping myself up. This is real. This is legit. Like, I, I got this. Yeah, I think uh, last year when I came up for, you know, for COVID and stuff like that, um, you know, I, it really clicked when I first got on the mound, my first appearance here, and, you know, I, I remember stepping on the mound and just saying to myself, like, man, I'm having a lot of fun out here. And, you know, having fun and confidence, those two things go together. And then coming in, coming into spring training, I think, you know, they told me to just uh, make sure I'm ready to go for spring training. And, you know, I felt like I'd put in a lot of work that, that this past off season. And, you know, first time out there in spring training, I, I felt like I was ready to go. And I think that's where a lot of the confidence came from. So... That is Red Sox reliever John Schreiber right there. Congrats to Grant Levine, the Bedford High grad who was drafted by the Colorado Rockies as he's made another step towards his goal of becoming a big league player. He has made it to the AA level and has been playing this past week in New Hampshire against the Fisher Cats. So congratulations to Grant for making that step. And he works with the youngsters here locally in the offseason in the New Hampshire Bobcats organization. So congrats to Grant Levine for making it to AA. The Bruins are going to announce their new head coach, Jim Montgomery. Well, they've announced him, but they're going to introduce him coming up on Monday, a press conference where he, along with Don Sweeney and Cam Neely and ownership, will meet the media for the first time. And this is going to be a challenging news conference, not so much for Montgomery, but 
in particular for Don Sweeney, Cam Neely, and Bruins ownership, because as we've talked about before, it does not make a lot of sense why Don Sweeney and Cam Neely are still there and Bruce Cassidy is not. I mean, you look at the future trajectory of this franchise, where are they going to be You know, four or five years down the road from now when Brad Marchand's 63 is hanging from the rafters, perhaps same with Patrice Bergeron's 37, and this franchise is left with who moving forward? I mean, you have a top defensive pair in Hampus Lindholm as well as Charlie McAvoy for years to come. They're talking contract with uh, with David Pasternak, but we'll see if that ends up coming to fruition. Uh, who is the future of the Boston Bruins? Who have they developed, drafted, and is ready to take that next step to leading this franchise? Well, outside of those three guys, I'm not sure who we're talking about here. Taylor Hall certainly is going to be good for you know, several years to come, but uh, he is not a youngster in the league at this point. So uh, it's going to be a tough press conference for Don Sweeney in particular, but also Cam Neely as to why they are there and Bruce Cassidy is not. So um, that's going to be certainly something interesting to watch on Monday. In regard to the New England Patriots, well, training camp is just around the corner about three weeks away, and in two weeks, David Ortiz will be inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And congrats to the Celtics on pulling off two great moves and bringing in Malcolm Brogdon as well as Daniel Gallinari. Uh, those Guys are exactly what the Celtics needed. Knock down three-point shooters. This is the Press Pass. I'm Chris Ryan.